0: Hi, I'm Jackie Miller, Certified High Conflict Divorce Coaching Consultant, as well as your host of this podcast, Out of Crazy Town, Your Guide to Divorcing a Narcissist. I had the pleasure of talking with Chris Berry and Lisa Johnson, who founded BeenThereGotOut.com, which provides support for those that have suffered through narcissistic abuse. Chris and Lisa each survived abusive marriages and divorces and found love when they came together. They have now joined forces using their experiences to help others through the difficult journey of healing from narcissistic abuse. Please join me for this three-part series as we explore each of their very different stories and how they are now helping others. Hello, Chris and Lisa. How are you guys? Welcome to Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist.
1: Hi, Jackie. Thanks so much for having us on today.
0: Yeah. Hi. Hi. I am so glad to have you guys. This is really cool because this is my first time uh, doing a three-part episode because as everyone can see or hear you are a couple, um, there's a lot to talk about. And so (laughs) I'm going to take advantage of that. Okay.
2: You say that now, but we get to talk.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's going to we're going to have a great time. Um, I want to just remind or tell everybody a little bit more about you guys. You are the founders of beentheregotout.com and you both went through pretty tough divorces, which is why you're here today.
1: Tough divorces yeah. following tough relationships.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to let you get into all that as well. And I just want to point out it's so interesting because just knowing a little bit about your backgrounds already, your stories are so different. And I love that because I always say every divorce has its own personality. And so we're going to really get to see, compare, and contrast that. So I just thought I would jump right in. I do this sort of series, or I have guests on, um, called Survivor Series. And this part one is kind of like that for me. Because I want to know if you guys would mind, and maybe Lisa, you'll start... Kind of go back to the beginning of when you met your ex-husband and just explain that a little bit. And then, you know, I'll, I'll have you go on to what led up to the divorce. But what was it like in the beginning when you met your ex?
2: Well, mine also was not the typical like love bombing or anything. I had actually been teaching overseas in a tiny village in Hungary. And I had a, a boyfriend that came with me and we came back to America. He was like, I know this guy, he's really nice and he owns property and he became our landlord, and that became my ex-husband much, much later on. So when I first met him, he's like a bit older than me. I thought, oh, he's so kind to rent us this, this little cottage so cheaply. The thing was, because I know you're going to ask about red flags as well. um, (laughs) When we first looked at the place, there was porn, like all over porn (laughs) magazines, like spilling out of the closet. And I thought, what kind of person is going to rent this to people and leaves this stuff lying around. Like that was just weird, but I thought, well, it's so cheap and he seems so nice. And so, um, I lived there for a few months and then I decided to end the, the other relationship. And I told my landlord, you know, I'm leaving. And he said, Oh, let's have lunch. And it was very platonic for a few weeks. You know and it was like we just wanted to be friends i knew he was kind of interested but um but i was actually never physically attracted to my ex-husband
0: that's interesting and, and i've yeah. heard that i've heard that before yeah
2: i'm sure just on one of these platonic dates i remember he's we were in new york city and we went to a concert he suddenly just took my hand and said we're we should go away for the weekend like and i was thinking we haven't even kissed yet but he had already planned that we were going to be together. And very shortly thereafter, when I had, because I had moved out of his place, I said, I'm going to look for a place in the city. And he's like, you know, don't even waste your time because you know, you're going to end up with me. And within like just a few weeks, installed in his house, still paying him rent, you know, and then it gradually became something. But
0: Uh, it definitely checked the box of the super fast, right
2: right into the, oh my gosh, yes, which we, also often see. And another thing that I, you know, always like looking back was on one of our, our dates, we went to this restaurant and he interviewed me. He literally interviewed me and, and was asking like what my goals were, how much money I made, how many kids I wanted to, it was like, and he, and he was, he flattered. I mean, the, probably the extent of the love bombing was flattering me by saying, you know, I date a lot of women, but you know, no, I get really bored with people, but you just seem really interesting. And you seem like the type of person I'd be looking for. It was like a job interview and I was getting the job. I was flattered, but I never thought, well, is he what I want? I just sort of went along and like I said, he was older and on paper, he seemed great. Like he, you know, had this wonderful career, he owned property, he seemed very stable. Like I said, I had been teaching... English overseas in this like little tiny poor town in Hungary. So I'd been bopping all over backpacking and I'd come back thinking I got to, you know, I got to grow up. I got to like settle down. So here's this guy who seems like really stable. right? He's older.
0: Yeah. Ah, And you know, I, just listening to that, you know, of course, hindsight's 2020, 20 and I get to fly at 30,000 feet and listen to everybody else's relationship and, and point things out. But it does seem a little bit like love bombing, like let's go away right away. Mm-hmm. Then the information gathering, right? Lots oh, of times yeah. they're information gatherers because they need it to either mirror you sort of mimic you to, to gain your trust, but then also to use it on you later, <laughs> turn it against you. And then he didn't even test if you had boundaries, he just bulldozed right over them and you're moving in or you're, you're the relationship. Like you said, you didn't even have a second to think, wait, do I want to be in this relationship?
2: I I know, I know. And that's the other term we use is marathoning. You know, they push you really quickly to get in a committed relationship. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, wait, I didn't even think about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, on your guys' website, com, you do use the term covert narcissist when you describe your marriage. And so tell me a little bit. Yours, yours. Yes, (laughs) yours, yours. yours. We're selling you. Chris, I promise we're going to get to you because yours, woo. Okay. Okay, So (laughs)
1: um, Jackie, it it always, not surprising me because now I know, but knowing Lisa, she's a very passionate person. Um, And when she describes her relationship with her ex-husband, I'm always surprised that there was never attraction there there was never real love there because that's not the person i i know
2: we were together for 20 years Wow. so you say well you know i guess he and part of his grooming we just talked about this earlier today is he would always say the words relationships are hard just expect it like it's gonna suck (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i know they're warning you they're just throwing up flares i'm i'm you know i'm sacrificing certain things but i know that when we have children, like they'll, you know, they'll never go hungry and we have a place to live and just all that stuff that you think, okay, that's at least I have this, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: Right. And what, what you said about being, it being a warning, you know, they do, they warn you. And when you ignore those warnings, that's like a green light to them. You know, this is a good target for me.
0: You know what? You're absolutely right. Thank you for pointing that out because I said he didn't, you know, even test the waters for boundaries. He did. I mean, you're right. It like throw throw up warnings or whatnot. And yeah, when you don't respond, they're like, awesome.
2: <laughs> right. And he had the age on me. He's seven years older. So he was like, you know, I'm really experienced. i I date people all the time. So here you're this like baby and I, I'll I'll I'm die. the authority. Yeah. I oh, and that was the whole time in the in the marriage too. He was the authority. Mm. He would always only like, I'm, I'm the logical one. You're like, oh that's do this let's do this and I you know you need me to like calm you down and He, he wasn't the parent in the relationship, but he tried to act like he was in charge. Interesting.
0: Yeah. 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 So it's also like been set up. So you don't question anything Mm because I've already explained to you that I'm the expert and I'm the older one and I'm the experienced one. So there, there was your other warning, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. I tell you. So thank you so much, Lisa, for walking us through that, because again, I'm just always fascinated at how relationships start. And so Chris, would you mind going back? When you met your ex-wife and what was that like? If I have to. I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. No, it's It was really different than Lisa's story. And I met my ex in in um, 2000 and like a lot of these relationships it was meteoric at the start. It was I found my soulmate, you know, she's amazing, just really really fast. It felt I felt quick and I felt hard. She again this is the the red flags they were like tests, right? She revealed early on that she suffered from depression, that she had considered suicide, that she thought at some point in her life she might still end it. And it very much, now I'm I'm the white knight, personality-wise, I wanna save people. Yeah. So here I, I saw her, in my mind, as this like, it, it turns my stomach to describe it now <laughs> I'm but, sorry but, but like this I, I saw her as this beautiful flower who just needed to be cared for and she could blossom yep um she talked about being abused as a child um not like sexually or anything like that but just not being nurtured not being cared for she sure. even called her mother a narcissist if I recall correctly and her wow. father wouldn't let her go to the school she wanted to go to and and stuff like that um so I was being tested much like Lisa was um but the way my personality is I'm you know I describe it as drawn to crazy. You know, Mm -hmm. I, am I'm someone who sort of likes to take, you know, that, that person that might have a fatal flaw or or something and, you know, I can fix them. I can help.
0: Absolutely. How quickly did you guys get married?
1: Well, so, um, among the many things I learned later were not true. She had told me when we were dating that she couldn't get pregnant Mm. and we both wanted to have, have kids. So she had been married before we were waiting for an annulment to go through for her I had never been married before. And in the meantime, you know, I think she was 33 or 32. Mm-hmm. And and so we weren't being careful. We figured if if she gets pregnant, that'd be great because we both want kids. We know we're going to be together. And sure enough, she got pregnant. So that was in 2003. We got married. And then right over, like as soon as we were a few months into the pregnancy, everything changed. Mm. I was no longer important. I was just there to you know, take care of her when the baby was born, take care of the baby to be a provider. And I was just shoved to the back corner. I'm sure a lot of men and even in healthy relationships might feel that way at times, but this was, this was extreme. Gotcha. And what I've come to see over time is that my ex, you know, narcissism is all about fragile self self Mm self-esteem and the way her self-esteem gets supported is by her being perceived as a good mother. So as soon as this opportunity was there, like I'm carrying a baby, that became everything. Okay. I'm going to be perceived as a good mother, I'm going to have a family, you know, the world is going to see me as a, you know, a wonderful person.
0: I'm so glad that you brought that up. It just sort of reminded me of something because something I like to do with my clients is profile their exes to understand what the triggers are and so when we uncover those things you see how they weave themselves throughout, not only the marriage, but then the divorce. Um, Mm -hmm. And as listeners are gonna hear, yours proceeded in a certain way and now it's making sense to me, the whole mother thing. So Lisa, I wanna go back to you. If you would now sort of jump into the marriage and let me know what that was like because you have two children yourself, correct? Right,
2: right, yeah. My kids are now practically adults. So one of them is turning 18 in a couple of weeks and the other is 21 but um so throughout the marriage again like chris and i have very different experiences my ex, I thought he was like my best friend. So we did not fight, you know, we got along really well in a, in a lot of ways because I wasn't attracted to him. It was just like, it was just easy. It was almost like we did have romantic contact, but sure. um, it just, it didn't, I, I didn't feel, it wasn't as emotional, you know, there wasn't like these big blow ups or anything like that. And I felt okay. like I could come talk to him about everything. And I never imagined us getting a divorce wow. ever. However, part of that is me just letting things go and making excuses. In the very beginning of the marriage, like literally a couple of weeks after we got married, I went to visit a friend from college in St. Louis, came back and I don't know how it came out. He confessed to having an affair. Now we had just gotten married and I was like, Oh no. And you know, there's all this weirdness like, Oh, but I didn't do this, but I did this, but I only did this and I did because of this and blah, 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 you know, where you're just like, and I was just like, I don't need, I don't need this crap. Like I'm leaving. And I was very comfortable um, being alone and I hadn't settled into the marriage yet. You know, uh, yeah. it was still like his house. Like I hadn't established my roots. So he did the like no 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 I'm going to go to therapy I'll do anything I I'm sorry I messed up. Also when I had first moved in I'd find phone numbers, emails, but he was like yeah you know it's because I'm I'm older than you and I've dated a lot it just takes me a little more time blah blah blah. Anyway, so he was like I'm going to therapy, so he went to therapy for 2 years and in my head I'm like oh everything's fixed now. Sure got along really well. But one of the things that he always would do, he he would refer to this abuse in his past that he never quite pinpointed what happened. It was very vague, but it was like, I've been abused and you know, that was like the thing that he used to to connect with people. Every okay. time we go to some social event, he would like it was always women. He'd always like try to find someone and immediately that that false intimacy like he'd start talking about things in his childhood to try to connect him with, with women in particular and, and like connect on their like abused past. That was always his line. And I just, I would be like, you know, like we're at a work event, like maybe could you not do that? And he's like, you know, you don't understand. You don't understand. It was always like, I need to be online and connect with people that really get me, you know, and that's, you're never going to be part of that world. Does it sound <laughs> <I> to <get that. laughs> you? <shaking your> head. <laughs>
0: but yes, yes. And all those do sound familiar. And that's why I really am so glad that you guys are willing to share your stories. People need to know that they're not the only ones out there. And again, that's why I love that you guys have two different stories because different things happen in different relationships and marriages. And it's just, you just feel not as alone when two people like you are willing to speak up and share, you know, what happened to you. So I think
2: also it's important to have that male perspective as well, because the DV world is, it just really skews female, but there's, so many men you know men that we've connected to men we know personally who they have the issue it's a little bit different but a lot of a lot of other things that we don't imagine as women like they've got a lot of shame how they've been socialized yeah even with with talking about it not feeling like a man and the expectations of men so
0: Absolutely no. I have a few male clients, and I I completely agree. And I always try to throw out the disclaimer when I'm saying she, you know, or guys. I hear you though. I see you. I know it happens to you too. So speaking of, let's move on to Chris. Chris, would you go a little farther into your marriage? And like you said, that after the baby came, you know, things really changed. And what happened from there?
1: Right. So so that was 2003, and it was really really hard. You know how we remember these relationships as like there was there were some good years, and there really weren't any good years. There were just some less awful years. So we had some less awful years when looking back was going through her mind was we can have another baby and that happened in 2006 so then um now we have two kids and uh, then we got pregnant again in 2008 and that didn't work out we lost lost that pregnancy um and at that point it was kind of clear like that's it there aren't going to be any more kids and that was a turning point for in in that relationship because that's when the devaluation started you know that's when there was gaslighting and all, all the projection projection was actually the first thing i noticed it's how i figured out what narcissism was because she called me a narcissist and I knew she projected. So anything, anything she accused me of, I'd go look up. I had give you I so much enough, credit I'm, for I'm that. And
0: ordered. for, yeah. And for acknowledging the projection because I did not get that at all. <laughs> I couldn't I, figure I that out till
2: it was way too
1: late. <laughs> me neither. Jack, me neither. I missed everything else. Right. I missed the signs (laughs) of the cheating. I missed the lying. I missed, did you know what, gaslight? I missed everything else, but I got that one. I'm sure she had affairs throughout the relationship, but there were a couple that I became aware of that happened after we had the second child. So the final, say, five years of the marriage, definitely affairs going on. But the, the real cu- big theme, besides the continuing devaluation and just nastiness, and be ignored and we'd be out in public and she'd belittle me, just all kinds of stuff. And I was so spun around. I didn't know how to defend myself. I didn't know. I always attributed to like, this is what people meant when they said marriage is hard.
0: Yep. Me too. So, me too. I get it.
1: So that's the way I was thinking about it. And I also sunk myself. I, I had started a business you know, I was a very involved dad, I was working from home. Even before I started my business, I had a couple of jobs which were predominantly work from home. So I was very involved. I read to the kids every night while my ex was out doing whatever. And you did you roll your eyes at that? I, I, whatever. Smirked. I <laughs> smirked. at that
0: one. Well, um, and yeah, doing whatever. And it's just it's true. Infidelity is almost always a theme. I'm always shocked when it's not. You're would you say fragile self esteem or the the lack of self confidence, which is also the theme in the background of what's really going on? And they just are constantly looking for that attention. It's just for the admiration. No, Absolutely, no one's ever enough.
1: But so the the theme to the like the the final, I'll say five years of the marriage where she was planning her exit. And so she had never really supported herself. She went out and got a teaching certificate. She's a musician and she wanted to teach music. Um, so she got a license to teach in the public schools, did like the what are they called the student teaching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that process. And then finally, very shortly before she left, she's the one who discarded me, thank goodness, but she got a job as a teacher. So now she and her, her mother happens to live less than a mile from here. Fast forward to uh, July of 2014, things had gotten really, I was starting to stand up for myself a little bit. and uh-huh. They don't like that. No, um, no, no. I would, She was sensing, you know, even if I wasn't, that things were changing and I was, I'd had enough. Yeah. And so she preemptively, she's got an income. She's got this landing pad at her mom's, you know, less than a mile away. Mm. she got the kids and left and still for a couple months, the first few months after that, I was all about reconciliation. You know, yeah. I knew about the affairs at that point. I told her I knew about the affairs. Oh, but I'll let them go. I want to express my unequivocal love for her. I was still so spun up. The thing that really was a magical moment for me was I was in therapy therapist was terrible, but I talk a lot. So therapist gets you to talk. And I, I had some revelations on my own in therapy. I realized that her love for me was never real. It was all an act. And I think a lot of people feel like destroyed by that or feel shame about that. I didn't, for whatever reason, I'm probably the exception. I felt like, huh, well, I guess there's nothing to mourn. I don't need to be upset because there was nothing there. It was all my imagination.
0: Yeah, you're right. It is a double-edged sword. And depending on which side of the sword you stand on, You're right. I see that often either people are like, wow. Okay. It wasn't real. I'm understanding who this person is. Like I'm ready to be done with all the, you know, the damage and the abuse or the other side where it's like, so none of this was real. They didn't really love like the pain and agony of the realization that they never really loved you. They can't. I, and I understand that reaction, but I do see both for sure. I know with
2: me, it was like so confusing me to move on, but but it was like, wait, how could we have been together for 20 years? Yeah, yeah. And, and so was- how did
0: yours kind of, what what was the straw that broke the camel's back for you guys in, in divorce started?
2: Okay, yeah, well, cause I had said we we didn't really fight and we got along and I thought he was my best friend and everything else. There were actually a couple times throughout the marriage like years would pass and out of the blue he'd go, you know, I'm really unhappy in this relationship. I'm thinking of leaving. And I was like, what? Like just out of nowhere. So then I, we'd talk, but it would be like, it would be like this drama for nothing. And then it would sort of pass. And so he did it in January, 2013. He said, if you don't do the things that I want very specifically in the bedroom, then I am going to start flirting with other people. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't like I hadn't been doing the things that he wanted, but he, he was like, if you don't do this for three weeks, these very specific things, because he was very, very particular about sex stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. like a whole, wow. whole other thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That we can have a lot of laughs about too, but, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, but- so I was like, so I, I did, you know, I, for those next three, cause I was like, oh my God, you know, like my family matters the most. And I have these two kids, like I'll do the three week training. <laughs> so I did it. <laughs> and then it didn't matter. I remember we were at a Nick cave concert in the city and he just was still so distracted. And I was like, I've done everything you want. And it's like, it hasn't gotten better. And then a couple months later, I found a picture printed out from the computer of a young, young woman. Now I used to teach high school. I know what a high school student looks like. Mm. This looks like a high school girl. And I just immediately got this feeling like something was wrong. Like I just knew it. And I, he was out for a couple of every errand took like a couple of hours with him. So he was out. I called him. And I was like, what, what is this picture? Like, why would you have a picture of like, and it wasn't like a, you know, anything um, erotic. It was just like a girl looking into the camera, but you know, just something, so, but you but don't get that gut feeling. Like, yeah, yeah. Know.
0: The alarms were going off. Yeah, I, yes. Yeah. Yes. You know,
2: you just know.
1: And Lisa's very intuitive. She has a <laughs> lot of very. You sensory, just feel yeah, it. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, so like 12 times in a row, he lied and said that he was painting, he was getting back into his art and he was just, printing out pictures to paint pictures of people. I was like, oh, come on. That's like too late. Then finally he says, okay. Cause I was like, I know you're lying to me. Just tell me the truth because I know you're not telling me. Please tell me. So finally he says, that's my girlfriend. She lives in Germany. We've never met. We met on Spotify, but we've never physically met. But this is the love of my life and my soulmate. And I was like, "That's that moment, I was like, we're done. Like, wow. That was- here's like a 50 whatever year old man. And there's like a teenager online that he's never met, that he's calling the love of his life and his soulmate. And he's so conflicted. I was like, this, he's absolutely crazy. So at that point I was like, I I remember he's like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm thinking of moving her here and like putting her in one of my dad's apartments. And I was like, what about our kids? Like, what do you, what do you think our kids are going to think of this? And he was like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll manage. And, And I'm like, but she's like, a few years older than them. I, and she, right. it, it was just like, but he was so completely out there. He was totally convinced. He's like, I just have to figure out, you know, cause I love her and I love you. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I know. And
0: then he's probably looking at me like, what, what's your problem? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he goes, you know what, let's go, we'll go to therapy and we'll figure out. So it was the same stupidly, the same therapist he had seen those 18 years beforehand. I mean, you know, you look back and you're like, how could I have fallen for this crap? This woman should never have seen him, seen both of us, seen his sister, my sister, everyone in the family is and, and acted like she was staying neutral. And we go in there and she drags it out and says, you know, you need to commit to six months of therapy to make sure that this is really what you want. Because I was like, I want a divorce. Like, I'm, I'm this is just too yep. much for me. No, no, no. And that at least you can say you put the effort in. We get there, and every therapy appointment is a disaster. She tells me that, you know, he wouldn't have done this kind of thing if it weren't for if I had made him happy in the relationship. So she's basically Uh. continuing the emotional abuse. Mm -hmm that he has done, she told me, and I hate, Chris knows I hate this word, shelve my feelings. I should shelve them. And I should be grateful that this was an online affair instead of a neighbor, because that would be harder to deal with. And this goes on and on and on. We're spending $200 a session out of pocket for this BS that is (laughs) making me miserable that I'm like in physical pain, you know, Lisa, this is
0: literally one of the worst therapy stories I have heard in terms of re-traumatizing the victim, complete ignorance on the personality disorder that's in the room. Um, And then, yeah, and then all the unethical
2: stuff. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. whoa, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, so that went on and then that stopped. Then then my son's uh, best friend committed suicide. Oh. So yeah, so that was horrific. So I'm like dealing with that. And then my ex is like, you know what? We don't even need therapy because we've come together from the suicide as a family. So we're all good now. And the therapist who was still said was like, no, 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 I think you're not. Cause she still wanted us to keep coming back and pay her all this money. She needed her $200 uh, an hour. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and then, you know, but I still, like the whole time I was kind of like, I'll do the therapy, but I have to plan my exit. And my exit took about, you know, almost two years. And because I I was like, I'm going to do it right. I got to get the financial stuff in order. I want to figure out how to stay in. I'm really rooted in my community. I got to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tolerate this. But, you know, I, I, in my head, I had emotionally detached. So it was a lot easier for me, but it was the logistical stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, too long a story, but it, it took two years and finally got him out and uh and okay. then, and then the post separation abuse started,
0: which is, I know we're <laughs> going to get to that. And I want to check in with Chris though, because you're sitting on your therapist couch, speaking of therapists, having your epiphany. And then did you file right away or what happened?
1: No. So I didn't or file. She filed, right. 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 She, she left me. Um, she filed. That was interesting. She filed for custody, not for divorce. And I, there I've often wondered why. I think it probably Whoa. was because she wanted it to be in the family court and not what we, in New York, we call it superior court for a divorce is handled in one and the family stuff is handled in the other. So divorces are not in family
0: court. Ah, so. okay.
1: So I think she probably felt, she probably got the advice from her attorney who was a nightmare, oh. by the way. She's a horrible. they always get attorneys that are just like them.
2: Right. You know, Absolutely. They all nonsense.
1: they're obnoxious, they're bully. aggressive, they lie, they're bully is oh. the right word. Just Oh, she was a terrible bully. But I think she filed for custody because she felt she'd get a better result uh, in family court. That's what I think.
0: So strategic rather so, than about the kids.
1: Yeah. Really? yeah. So yeah. yeah, there wasn't a lot of like money or anything like that in New York. Um, you know, I was in this house before, before we got married. So legally it was premarital property. It would have been different if we lived five oh, miles yeah. away in yeah. Connecticut where Lisa is. I, I would have lost the house, Half. but I'm like the the one married guy who stayed in the house. I uh, know. Yeah. 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 But it was mine before before we married.
0: Okay, um,
1: like the tone early on was she was saying to me like all these sweet things like we'll have dinner at each other's houses we'll do all this stuff together and and underlying it was like just sign here mm. you know yeah. just sign the agreement I want I want you to sign. And I could have, I was not out of the fog yet, but for some reason I didn't, I had talked to an attorney and that process had started, but I really, where it really turned ugly was when it became clear that I wasn't just going to knuckle down or knuckle under to all her demands.
0: Right. Well, so when you You didn't sign. Yeah. And so now you're starting to listen to your instincts here I'm seeing at this dinner table, but yeah, that is such a good example of the shiny object over here while they're doing something over here. And you know, it probably worked for a long time.
1: Yeah. So during that, the early part of the divorce process. Now, our divorce took three years and cost three hundred thousand dollars to on my side. The original custody filing was packed with lies and maybe there was a shred of truth but it was exaggerated greatly painted me in a very bad light um and it really like th- that was part of that whole thing where I had made it clear I wasn't going to just accept whatever that right I was gonna stand up for myself right I was terrified you know at that time I had financial concerns obviously it was an emotionally very difficult time but my main thing was l- I'm a very involved dad I love being a dad I treasure my relationship with my kids and I know this is kind of like not how things are usually done now, but that thought of being like every other weekend and Wednesday night dinner, uh, there was just no way. So that was my big, that was my terror. Once mm-hmm. my attorney said, you're going to be able to keep the house, you know, I, I, that became my main terror. And so, and she knew that, right? Yeah. So the focus of the case became the kids because that's how she could exert power and control over me the most. Effective. Absolutely.
0: And thank you for that segue because I am going to actually. And this part one, and I want to say something as we go into part two. But what what you were just alluding to was the post-separation abuse, which I think you said as well, Lisa. And Tina Swithin has it on her website, and I have it on mine as well. it's on One Mom's Battle or Jackie Miller Coaching.com. For anybody who's never seen the post separation abuse wheel, and I'll just explain a little more for anyone who has never seen it. It is once the relationship has been identified as over by the toxic personality. You can know you can know, but this is all about them, right? Once they realize, oh shoot, I have completely lost control and it's gone a whole new world opens up of abuse. And there are all these different kinds of abuse that happen post-separation, which usually means during the divorce. And again, I know your guys' stories are very different. Um, And so we are just going to end here and go into the next segment, I want to hear about what happened in the divorces. Thanks
1: so much, Jackie. (laughs) Awesome.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining me for part one of this three-part series with Chris Berry and Lisa Johnson, the founders of BeenThereGotOut.com. Watch for part two coming soon as we continue our conversation and hear about their own experiences with divorcing toxic personalities and dive into the topic of post-separation abuse.